Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to sing this again. Um, just a beautiful song that speaks about the power of the name of Jesus. Uh, you know, what's really interesting. This week, I was uh, just briefly watched this program, and um, there was someone on there who was very clearly, uh, you know, doesn't believe in God at all, uh, stands for everything that the church does not stand for, uh, very clearly against the principles of God's word and 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 so on and so on people can have their opinion it's quite okay but in the midst of a phrase she uses the name of Jesus and uh, it upset me (laughs) it upset me because I say hey if you don't believe in God that's 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 okay but but why do people have to use the name of Jesus in such a way why is it that people that have have nothing to do with God at all do not believe in God, do not believe, do not stand for anything that God stands for. And yet they use the name of Jesus. In not in good terms, it's always in negative terms. I'll tell you why people do that. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Because there's just something about the name of Jesus. The Bible says, for there is no other name by which man can be saved, but the name of Jesus. And I want you to know that. So that's what we're singing about. There's something beautiful about the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Now we can do it here today or we can do it in eternity. But the the greatest thing that we can do is just open our hearts to Jesus. When the Bible says there is no other name by which man can be saved, you've heard me say before, the word saved there is the Greek word sozo, which incorporates not just eternal salvation, It incorporates healing. It incorporates salvation. It incorporates restoration. It it incorporates everything um, that we can have here on earth, more than just salvation. Because the Bible says that Jesus came to give life and life in abundance. I don't know where you sit today with God or with Christ, but I just want to encourage you. Why don't I just open up your heart to the Lord? And maybe, maybe you're still not sure whether all of this is real or not. Why not say, Lord, if you're real, I want to know. Lord, if you're, I don't want to get to the other side of eternity, discover that all of this is real. Lord, if you're real, I want to know. The Lord always responds to someone who opens up their heart to the Lord. So come on. And maybe you're here today and you've got a need. You've walked into church. I want you to know there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. We're going we're gonna to sing about Jesus and then we're going to pray and believe that God is going to do something in our hearts and life. Come on, sing with me.
right where you're standing, just close your eyes. We're in the presence of God. No better place to be this morning than just to gather with God's people to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We haven't come to meet with a man or a person. We haven't come because there's something about the religion or the church building or anything like that. We've come to meet with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the reason why we close our eyes is just to remove distractions. Come on, why don't you just talk to the Lord about what's happening in your heart right now? Why don't you talk to the Lord about some of the anxieties you might be experiencing today? That depression that just doesn't seem to want to go away. Those thoughts, that thing that happened way back then that just seems to continue to come back. Those challenges that you've got. Maybe it's healing that you need today. Come on, why don't we just reach out to the Lord this morning? Bible says that He's our healer, body, soul, and spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we just come before you today as the church of Jesus Christ, gathered together with one mind, one heart, one spirit to worship you and to glorify you, Lord God. Just invite you by the Spirit to come into this place, Lord God. Fill the house with your glory. Fill the house with your presence, Lord God. Because above all else, what we need is you. We want a revelation of who you are in our hearts and lives. Greater understanding of who you are and what it is that you want to do inside of us, Lord God. You know the needs represented amongst your people, Lord God. Just reach out by the Spirit of God today. I pray in Jesus' name, just reach out across this room. Let us sense your presence. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray that by the Spirit of God that, that, that you would move amongst us. That something would shift in our hearts and lives today. We're going to say, man, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. Something, something would shift in our minds. Something would shift in our, in our spirit, in our heart. Something would shift in our family. Something would shift in our marriage. Something would shift, Lord God. By your grace and for your glory, we bind every work of the enemy. We bind every condemning thought, every distraction. We stand against every work of the enemy in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glorified this morning. We commit a Romolo to you, Father. Just your hand upon him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just your hand upon him. Pray for Mary too, Father. Just your hand upon her, Father. Other requests, Father, we just commit them to you, Lord God. Because we know that you're a good God. Be glorified this morning. Be glorified in our lives. We've gathered here in church with a heart of expectation. Wanting to hear from you above all else. And I just thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you will speak. Lives will be changed. I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in our hearts and lives this morning. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Man, it's just so good to be able to gather with the church and to be able to... Man, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Job chapter 1. I want to take it from verse 6. I want to read from verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? 
Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that every time we open your word, you speak to us. Speak to us about uh, what's happening in our life today. Principles that can have a profound effect on how we live and on our lives every day. I just pray that by the Spirit of God that you would speak to all of us here today. That there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Bind every fear and intimidation. Come against it in the name of Jesus. Just let there be freedom to speak the word and to receive the word. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word today, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to begin a new series today entitled Building a Spiritual Hedge. I want to, I want to speak about building a spiritual hedge. Thought for the series comes out of the story of Job. You can read his story in the book of Job. It's a little bit depressing challenging uh, at times. If you're going through a tough time, it'll encourage you um, uh, in some ways, but get, make sure you get to the end because that's where the good bits are. It's a powerful book in the Bible. It's especially important for those that might be unemployed because uh, it will certainly help you. It's the book of Job. Job, <laughs> help me here. Come on, church. <laughs> Come on. Help me out here. Come on, church. <laughs> Stay with me today. You with me today? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, book opens with a description of who Job was. Uh, he was a wealthy man, had lots of sheep and camels. Uh, he was a man of character. Bible, uh, the book of Job actually begins with the description of his character. He was a well-respected man. He had the heart of a servant. And in the first couple of chapters, there's this interesting dialogue between God and Satan. Um, it's not Satan coming to God. It's actually God coming to Satan. Notice what the Bible says. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one like him on earth. He's blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now notice the way God describes Job. I don't know about you, but I, but I would love that. I would love for God to describe me that way. Can I hear an amen? Just look at the description. He says, there's no one on earth like him. Blameless. Upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. God was saying to Satan, have you considered Job? Not considered him in a nice way. Have you considered troubling Job? Was what God was saying to Satan. Now, I don't know if I, about you, but if I was Job, I, I'd, I'd be saying to God, 
can we just have a little chat here on the side? Can, can, can we just do a little time out here before we finish this conversation? Just going to say a few things to you, Lord, to, to, Lord, to God. Satan replies, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Satan says to, to God, in case you didn't know, I can't touch him because you've put a hedge around him. But if you remove the hedge, then I'll be able to get to him and he will curse you to your face. Well, we know the story. God allows Satan to test Job and he loses everything. You read about it in the first couple of chapters. He loses his possessions, reputation. He loses his family, camels, sheep, everything. And it feels like God has rejected him. The worst thing about the whole story, as far as Job was concerned, is that, the, that he could not speak to God. He felt like God had turned his back on Job. Anybody ever felt like that in their lives? Where you pray, but your prayer just doesn't seem to go anywhere. It feels like God is not there, but he's very much there. But it feels like he's not. And then there are the three dodgy friends who, instead of helping him, make things worse. We might get to the three dodgy friends later, later on in the series because there's some good thoughts there. And for 37 chapters, Job speaks about what is happening inside of him, his struggle with God, his questions, his emotions. Heaven feels silent. I mean, what I love about Job is he, he doesn't turn his back on God. He, 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 he comes into the presence of God. He has questions, perplexities. There's things he doesn't understand. God, I thought you would like this, but I don't understand why this is happening in my life. Greatest thing that we can do with the perplexing seasons in our life. Well, we've got two choices. We can either turn our back on God or turn towards God. I just love the discourse between, between Job and God. I love the way God, Job wrestles with God through his pain. And it's in the, in the wrestling that God begins to speak to him. It's in the wrestling that God does a deep work in his life. It's in the wrestling that, that God does something in his life which is powerful because we get to the end of, of, of Job. Job 38 says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Turns out that as, 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 as good as Job was, his revelation of God could go just a little bit deeper. That, that it turns out that that, that as, 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 as a man of character that he was, his relationship with God could go just a little bit deeper. And hence the, the whole theme of the book of Job. story of Job is a powerful story. But what I want to focus on is just one verse. Verse 10. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that everything he has is blessed. When the Bible speaks about a hedge, it's speaking about a wall, a fence, a barrier. You've put a barrier around him so that, I, so that I can't get to him is what the enemy was saying. The dictionary defines a hedge as a row of bushes that form a boundary or a barrier. 
When we think of hedges, we think of plants that are used to, to create a boundary, enclosure. We use them in landscaping, in our gardens, they're a, they're a pain. Remember my dad said, you know, I was going to plant hedges. He goes, and they were just little bushes. He says, they're going to grow and you're going to have to trim them every single one. And yeah, yeah, don't worry, that's fine. Now I've got to trim them, don't I? They keep growing. And every, every couple of months I've got to go in there and, and, and cut them down. We think of hedges in relation to, 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 to landscaping. Farmers use them to protect crops or livestock. They build a hedge to, to protect uh, the crop. They act as a windbreak, provide shade, privacy, security. Um, hedging is also an investment term. We talk about hedging. It's used to protect against risk. So instead of, uh, you know, putting all your money on one stock, you might put them on two stocks. You might kind of split it, put it on, on two stocks, and, and uh, you're not going to make as much money, but it's going to protect you from losing a lot of money. It's a bit like the footy match today. Um, uh, there's going to be a red team and a blue team, and, and you know, um, I think there's some gambling going on in the church. I mean, you'll be putting your money on it. Uh, so if you want to hedge, you know, you hedge a bet, you put money on both. We don't do that. Okay, this, this, is, this, is, a, this is a holy church. All right, we don't do that kind of thing. But, but hedging is about putting money on both sides so that you don't lose as much. That's essentially what hedging is. Now, what we're speaking about in this series is not so much box hedges or investment hedges. We're speaking about spiritual hedges which is what this passage of Scripture teaches us about. Satan said to God, have you not put a hedge around him because, because of that I can't get to him? How, how many people would like a hedge like that in their own lives? How many people would like the kind of hedge that, that, that Job had around his life, a barrier, a wall, a fence that would protect us from harm? So what I want to do in this series is I want to, I want to speak about hedges and how to build them in our own lives uh, and, and, and in our families. I want to speak about how to build a hedge in three specific areas. Notice what the text says. It says, you've put a hedge around him. You put a hedge around his household or his family. And you've put a hedge around everything that he has. And over the next three weeks, we're going to speak about this. We're going to speak about how to build hedges in these three specific areas. Because I think it's important. I want to speak about how we can build a hedge around our lives, around our hearts, around our families, around what we have. But today, what I want to do before we dive into how to build a hedge, I want to look at the why. Why should we build a spiritual hedge in our lives? What, 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 why should we take the time to build a spiritual hedge in our lives? What, what, why should we do this? And there are two reasons that come out of the text that I kind of want to unpack and explore this morning for us is going to help us to understand what we need to do. First purpose of a spiritual hedge is to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. It's really clear in the text that that was one of the purposes of the hedge. God says to Satan, have you considered Job? He says, I put him, uh, 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 he says, I have, but I can't touch him because you put a hedge around him. One of the reasons why we need a spiritual hedge is to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. It comes right out of the text. It's very clear that the spiritual hedge protects us. Frank Damasio says this, a hedge is used in scripture to illustrate God's divine strategic protection around his people against all the weapons 
of the enemy. I'm going to repeat that again. Frank Damasio says a hedge is used in scripture to illustrate God's divine strategic protection around his people and against all the weapons of the enemy. One of the things that we need to understand as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is that we are involved in a battle. Can I hear an amen? The battle is not with weapons, uh, physical weapons. It's a spiritual battle. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a battle in the spiritual realm. And if, and, if, and, if, and if we would just open our eyes, we would be able to see what that battle looks like. More than ever, there's a battle for our families. More than ever, there's a battle for, 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 for our marriages. The Bible says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you open up your eyes, you will see that he is stealing and killing and destroying everything that is good in our hearts and lives. The good news is that John 10.10 10 doesn't finish there. Jesus goes on to say, but I have come to give life and life in abundance by the grace of God and for the glory of God. The Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against your boss, your spouse, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I tell you, if there's ever a time where we're starting to see the reality of evil come to pass, it's in the, all we need to do is watch the news, open our eyes. You will see the effects of evil in, our, in, in the world today. We have an enemy whose mission is to turn our hearts away from God. And he has weapons. Bible teaches us about the weapons that the enemy has that he uses to come against us. He uses weapons like fear and anxiety and depression. Lies and deception, temptation to get us to turn away from God. The good news is we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Jesus already won at the cross by his grace and for his glory. Jesus already won. Jesus already defeated the enemy and, and Christ has already defeated the work of the enemy at the cross. And the way that God protects us from the attacks of the enemy is by building a wall, a barrier, a hedge, so to speak, around us. And there are three specific enemies that we have to contend with our lives. There, there, there are three basic enemies that we all need to contend with in our lives. Let me give them to you very quickly. The first of the enemies we have is the flesh. It's the desires of the sinful nature that war against the spirit. Bible says for our for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. We often talk about the battles that are happening in the world uh, and we can criticize what's happening in the world. We can criticize what some people are doing, the wars and, and greed and so on and so on. But but let me let me explain something. The the, the, the the battle that's happening out there is a battle that all of us experience in our own hearts and lives every single day of our lives. There's a war going on, says the Bible, between the flesh and the spirit. And, and they're continuously warring against each other. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. God says, go left. The sinful nature says, we're going to go right. The, 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 the spirit uh, says, God says, we're going to do things this way. No, no, we're going to do it the opposite way. And we're living in a world that's doing just that. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Paul says in Romans, for if we live by its dictates, that is the sin nature, we will die. And when it talks about death, it's not necessarily talking about physical death. It's talking about eternal separation from God. 
But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You'll experience life. You'll experience life to its full. Paul says to the Galatians, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. These, these, these are contrary to each other. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict, warring with each other. Um, so that you, are not, you are, are not to do whatever you want. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. They've put to death what belongs to the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians uh, chapter 5 uh, is a, just a, a, a powerful scripture that talks about, you know, the, the work of the sinful nature is this, immorality and, 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 and all kinds of sin. And then it talks, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, and, and so on and so on. Those who belong to Christ Jesus understand that if I give in to the flesh, it's going to destroy me. And so we crucify it. We, put it, we put it to death. We say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what is right. We have something called the flesh in us that is warring against the spirit. Our flesh doesn't want to say sorry. Can I hear an amen? Even when you know you're wrong, I'm not going to say sorry. The flesh says, no, I'm not going to give in. Our flesh wants revenge. Hmm? It's gone quiet in here. Our flesh doesn't want to forgive. Why should I forgive? No, I don't want to forgive. They deserve what they get. Our flesh doesn't want to wait for marriage to have sex. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do my own thing. Our flesh likes to get drunk. Our flesh wants to be number one. And the list goes on and on. I'm sure many of us understand the war that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. It's a battle. I'm sure all of us have experienced to some degree or another the battle that we, we all experience inside of ourselves. Paul says, the things I do, I don't want to do. The things I don't want to do, they're the things I do. Paul in, in Romans chapter 7 is speaking about this battle inside all of us. It's this war that's going on inside of all of us. I don't want to swear, but I do. I want to be nice, but I'm not. I want to say I'm not going out with those worldly friends. And then I give in and I say yes. And I don't want to do that. There's a war going on, says Paul. And I love what Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's Christ that gives us the power to say no to the evil desires and to say yes to the things of the Spirit. One of the ways the enemy gets to our hearts is through the flesh. And so how do we protect ourselves from that? How do, how do, how do we deal with that? Well, well, one of the things that's going to protect us from our own flesh and evil desires is a hedge. It's a spiritual hedge. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to build a hedge, how to actually build that hedge in our lives so that when our sin nature actually says, no, I'm not going to do that, we instead say, no, you know what? I am going to do that. I don't feel like saying sorry. You know what? I am actually going to say sorry. I know it's going to hurt me. I know it's going to make me feel this big, but so be it. 
The way the wars start in the world, the way the conflicts start in the world, they don't start all, no one just wakes up in the morning and says, well, today let me do, let me start a war. No, they start by saying yes to the sinful nature, one little step at a time. One little yes at a time. One little yes to, we know what's right, but we do what's wrong. We know I should forgive, but I say, you know what, I don't want to forgive. We read the Bible and the Bible says, love your enemies. And we say, no, what? I don't want to love my enemies. I want to do them harm. And that's what makes Christianity so revolutionary. It's what makes Jesus so revolutionary. It's just an amazing, it's an, it's, it's an amazing, Jesus says, you know, you, you've heard it said in the world, you know, do, do good to those who do good to you, bad to those who do. But I say to you, love your enemies and do good to them. If we're going to change the world that we're living in, it's not going to be changed by doing more of the same thing. If we're going to change the world we're living in, what we need to do is be different. We need to be Christ-like. What did Christ do? Christ did good to those who did harm to him. He's dying on the cross. He's dying on, they've just crucified him. Excruciating death. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them because they haven't got a clue what they're doing. If it was me, <laughs> You need to thank God that it wasn't me. <laughs> we deal with the flesh not by getting rid of the flesh. Flesh is always going to be there. While we're here on this earth, there's going to be the flesh. We deal with the flesh by being filled with the Holy Spirit. We deal with the flesh by crucifying the flesh. I'm not doing it. We deal with the flesh by walking in the Spirit. Sowing to please the Spirit. Becoming like Jesus. Reading his word. What would Jesus do here? Jesus would do, that's what I'm going to do. And our flesh shrinks. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. And if you feed the flesh, it's going to grow bigger and bigger. But if you starve the flesh, it's going to get smaller and smaller. If you feed the spirit, it's going to get bigger and bigger. And we do that by getting closer to God. Second enemy we have is the world. The world is not so much speaking about the things of the world. It's the thinking of the world's value system. Paul says in Romans, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. We live in a world today that is anti-God, anti-family, anti-marriage, anti-church, anti-anything that is good. And the world is forever coming against us. Talked about that before. And the problem is not the ideology of the world. We know that people who don't fear God, they're not going to obey God. They're not going to say, gee, we should, we should listen to what the Christians are doing. That's, that's, that's not the problem. The problem is that that ideology is slowly creeping into our own hearts and lives. And I don't care who you are, how strong you are, how many years you've been in church. All of us can be infected in one way or another by the world system. It's the, world, it's the philosophies of this world. They slowly creep in. And start to affect our own hearts and lives. Our political system, our education system is driven by a worldly mindset that says there is no God. The values of the Bible are outdated. The church is powerless. 
no one knows how the world began. I was watching a bit of a documentary uh, just the other, the other day. It's what you do when you're in your 50s. You start watching documentaries. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a sign that you're over the, you know, you're on the other side of the hill. Uh, I, was watching, I just happened to turn and I saw this thing. And they, they're still not sure what brings all matter together. They've got no idea. What keeps the neurons and the protons all... They, don't, they still don't know. They've got no clue. They're still trying to discover, discover a way. <laughs> Bible tells us it's God that puts us all together and keeps us together by his grace and for his glory. And the world that we're living in the, 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 says that there, there's no God. Evolution has so many gaps in it. There are so many gaps. In it. But hey, I'd rather believe a theory that we can't, we don't know. We don't, we don't know. How did the world begin? We've got no clue how it all began. I'd rather believe a lie than believe the truth or believe in a creation, believe that there is a God in heaven. We live in a world that is driven by a worldly mindset. There is no God. Church is outdated. Church is powerless. 1966, on the cover of Time magazine were the words, Is God dead? A reporter asked Billy Graham if God was dead. Billy Graham said, well, I don't think so. Spoke to him this morning. <laughs> As Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're called to be a light in the darkness. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Uh, we're called to be Daniels in a Babylonian culture. And there's always going to be the tension between these two thoughts. What does it mean to be in the world and not of the world? I understand there's always tension between those two things. And every generation, every individual has to wrestle with how to interpret that thought in its own generation. And as Christians, we need to be careful that we don't become a victim to the world system. Pope Peter says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought. More than ever, we need to be alert, watchful, prayed up. We need to know the Bible. Just so proud of this church. Last Tuesday night, we started Life Ministry School, 70 people came. Can you believe that? That's outstanding. We turned a few people away. We had to. Um, but don't worry. We'll, you, you'll get to do the subject next year. Don't worry. Just outstanding. More than ever, we, we need to know what does the Bible actually say. We need to dive deeper into the Word of God. We need to know what we believe. We need to be careful where we go, what we do, who we spend time with, what we watch on TV. We need to watch TV with both of our eyes open. Grew up in a time where they said, TV is bad. You shouldn't have a television in, in your home. And they're probably right. You know what I'm saying? It's probably right. But we kind of, they, they were legalistic. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, watch TV, but watch it with both eyes open. You compare TV 50 years ago to today and see how it's deteriorated. And don't say it hasn't because it has. It has. Be careful of the music you listen to. Every song has a spirit behind it. Remember, the devil was the worship leader in heaven. He knows the power of worship and music. This morning, we experienced worship in this church. Man, 
you know, I, I just love the worship. I, I love, there's something powerful about, about the worship. It, it doesn't just affect our minds. It affects our, our, our emotions. But even, even more than that, it affects our spirit. The worship has the capacity to shift us. The enemy knows how powerful music is. And he, and he uses it to shift us in the direction of the sinful nature. Be careful the movies you watch. Every movie has a message. So I, I watch movies and I watch them. I say, what, 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 are, what do they want me to think? What are they trying to change in my head? It's going to protect us from the world is a spiritual hedge. It's a spiritual hedge. Have you not put a hedge around him so I can't get in? Well, that's right, I put a hedge around him. If we're going to protect ourselves from the, from the world system, we, we, we need to build a hedge. There needs to be a hedge around our lives, around our minds, around our hearts, around our family. We need to have a hedge that will protect us from the enemy. Third enemy we have is the devil himself. The Bible says, be alert and sober and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's, you know, it's the word sober there that kind of gets to me. Be of sober mind. Um, I'm touching a few difficult subjects this morning. Help me. Uh, but it's interesting. You know, again, you know, some people say, well, you shouldn't drink and blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. I don't want to be legalistic about this. But the more you drink, the more it affects the way you think. It affects how you think. It affects how you speak. It affects how you walk. Can I hear an amen? And, 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 and when our senses are deteriorated then we start to do silly things. We start to say stupid things that are kind of funny initially and then we go, it just goes south. We start to, to go places that, are, that we shouldn't and so on and so on and so on. Be alert and of sober mind. Don't let anything think the, alter the way you think. Be clear-minded. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. God asked Satan what he was doing in Job. He said, I'm roaming throughout the earth. What was he doing roaming throughout the earth? Looking for someone to kill, steal and destroy. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us and he will do everything he can to come against us. He will use our weaknesses and he will relentlessly target us there and we've all got them. He knows just which temptation to use against us. For some, it's worry. For others, it's the sexual areas. For others, it's addictions and gambling and pride. For some people, it's pride. He even knows the Bible really well. He's been to life ministry school. He's got the degree, bachelor, PhD. He knows the Bible better than you and me. Remember, Satan used the Bible to tempt Jesus. He will use the Bible to get you to do the wrong thing. It's so important for us to understand the devil is a liar, is a deceiver. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he is relentless and he is patient. He is patient. 
He doesn't care if you do well today because he has a long-term vision for your life. He doesn't care if it takes 10, 30 or 60 years. He will keep on prodding. And he doesn't even care how old you are. His goal is to get us to compromise on our values and to turn away from God. How do we, question is, how do we protect ourselves from the attacks of the enemy? How do we protect ourselves from the flesh and the world's, world's value system? I'll tell you how. What we need is a spiritual hedge. What, what's going to protect us from all of the attacks of the enemy? i tell you what's going to protect us. It's going to be a spiritual hedge. So that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit will raise up a standard against him. It will protect us from every kind of attack of the enemy. Have you considered Job? I have considered him, but you've put a hedge around him and I can't get to him. My prayer is that God would build a hedge around our own lives in the name of Jesus. That God would build a hedge in our hearts, in our lives, in our families. Uh, that he would build a hedge around this church in the name of Jesus by his grace and for his glory. Second reason why we need a hedge is because it will bring blessing and prosperity. Have you not, you have blessed the work of his hands. His flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Purpose of the hedge is first to stop the enemy getting in. But the purpose is not just to protect us from the enemy. The purpose is also so that whatever is in the hedge can flourish. I want you to know that God wants to bless you. That the blessing of God is not just reserved for some. It's the will of God for you to be blessed. It's the will of God for you to prosper. It's the will of God for you to experience the blessing and the favor of God. Jabez prayed, oh, that you would bless me. I just love that, 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 that verse. We kind of touched it on it last Wednesday night at, at, at prayer. Jabez was full of challenges. He was born in pain, but there was something different about him. He didn't accept the position that he was in. He didn't give in to a victim mentality. He dared to ask God for a blessing. And God granted his request. Oh, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me. Protect me from harm. He dared to ask God that God would bless him. In the midst of the challenges that he was facing in his life. Never let a victim mentality rob you of the blessing of God. Dare to ask God. Oh, that you would bless me. The Bible says of Isaac that there was a famine in the land. There was no food, there was scarcity, he was going to go to Egypt, but God said, stay right where you are. The Bible says, then Isaac sowed in that land, where in the land of famine, he sowed and reaped in the same year hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I mean, there's a lot of prospering there. How did he experience the blessing of God? Because God was with him. Because the Lord blessed him. How can we experience the blessing of God? Job reminds us that one of the ways we can experience the blessing of God is by building a hedge around us. When we have a spiritual hedge around us, God will protect us from making dumb decisions. Can I hear an amen? Anybody ever made a dumb decision? <laughs> Jesus, help us. 
God will open doors. He will experience divine coincidences. God will lead us to the right people so we get the right advice, so we make the right decisions. God will protect us from harm. He'll bless the work of our hands. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me and declared the acceptable year of the Lord's favour. That's what God wants to speak over our lives. God wants us to prosper. What is the purpose of the hedge? Protects us from harm, but it's also so that those that are in the hedge can prosper and experience the blessing and the favour of God. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that you're not an accident. You're here by divine appointment. God created you. Forget what the world is saying. I want you to know that God created, that even before you were formed, God had a plan and a purpose for your life. He still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Pastor Joe, how do I connect into that plan? I need to invite Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Saviour. It's by praying a simple prayer. It's recognising that we're all sinners, believing that Jesus died on the cross and confessing him as our Lord and Saviour. It's saying, Lord, I just thank you. You died on the cross, took the punishment for my sins so that I could be everything you've called me to be. It's inviting Jesus into our lives. It's inviting Jesus into our hearts. And as we do, that's the first step in experiencing the blessing and the faith. God did not create you so that you would live a life of pain. God did not create you so that you would live a life of, 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 of uh, failure and so on. God created you so that you could be blessed and experience the favor of God. Pastor Joe, things are not going well for me. It's really interesting because when, when, when we talk about blessing and favor, again, we have these two kind of mindsets. One is rich and famous and all the rest of it. But, there, but there's a different kind of blessing, which is far deeper and more profound, which says we can be going through the worst of the worst of the worst in our lives, but still experience an incredible joy. Because it's deeper, it touches our spirit. It's powerful and profound. I did my thesis on the relationship between physical well-being, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being. And uh, a lot of incredibly great research out there. And of the power of spiritual well-being. That means being connected with God, a relationship with God. Um, and what people said was, you know, physical well-being is great. It's good to have a healthy body. But you know, more important than having a healthy body, it's having a healthy soul. How many people know you can have a healthy body and inside of you, you know, you're filled with worry and you're filled with fear and you're filled with anxiety. So better than a physical well-being is, is, is emotional well-being. But you know, no one is ever perfectly emotionally whole. No one, no one, no one, no one. We're all got a bit of stuff in there. All right, I've got a bit of stuff in here. You're great. Um, we're all dealing with stuff in our lives. We live in an imperfect world. It's stuff. And, what, and what, what this group of people that were, were, were interviewed said was, you know, you can be physically not well, emotionally troubled, but the greatest form of well-being is spiritual well-being because it touches us deeply and it, it, and it satisfies us in a way which is absolutely profound. In other words, I, you can be having some issues, physical issues. As you get older, you have physical issues. My hair's falling out. You get physical issues, emotional trouble. But because you have a relationship with God, you can experience incredible, there's this peace and joy. There's this sense of, you know what? I'm experiencing life. It's the power of the blessing and the favour of God. 
that no matter what's happening around us, we can experience peace, but not just an ordinary peace. It's a deep peace, a real peace, a joy. It's not based on what we have or don't have. It's based on something deep. It's what we can experience in God. Some people say, you know what? I don't think I could ever be blessed. My life is a mess. I want you to know that that doesn't have to be the testimony of your life because God is for you. He loves you, chose you, wants to bless you. And start to confess that every day. But Pastor Joe, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. No, I don't understand. I don't understand exactly what you're going through because only you can understand that. But one thing we can do in the midst of whatever it is we're going through, we can say, Father, I just thank you that I'm blessed in you. Father, I just thank you that your hand is upon me. I thank you, Father God, that you love me. I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I thank you, Father, that I am accepted in you. I belong to you, Father God, and I thank you for your favor, and I thank you for your blessing. You start praying that every single day, and watch what God will do in your life. The enemy said to God, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? question is, why, why do we need a spiritual hedge? First, it's going to protect us from harm. Second, it will lead to blessing and favor. When we have a spiritual hedge in our lives, it keeps the enemy out. Why was the Great Wall of China built? Keep the rabbits out. That's exactly right. Why do we need a spiritual hedge? Protects us from the attacks of the enemy. Protects us from harm. It's a barrier that says to the enemy, no, nah, you can't cross this line. Not only does it protect us from harm, but the hedge allows us to flourish. How many people could do with some of that in their lives? How many people could do with less attacks of the enemy, more of God's blessing? Come on, I want us to believe for that in the name of Jesus. I want you to believe that for your life in the name of Jesus. I want you to believe that the enemy won't touch us because there's a hedge. I want us to believe that God is going to go to Satan and say, have you considered Job? He will say, I have. But you've put a hedge around him. Can't get near him. God is going to say, that's right. You can go now. <laughs> it's going to take some time to build a hedge. <laughs> no hedge just appears overnight. It takes work. You've got to plant it, fertilise it, grow it. Trim the thing. It's going to take work. But it's worth it. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls, there was opposition from within, opposition from without, accusations, threats. And the enemy tried to stop the rebuilding of the walls because the enemy understands the power of a hedge. And I pray that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to understand this power of the hedge because it's not that hard to build. It's actually quite simple. And more than that, we're going to be intentional about building it by the grace of God and the glory of God so that we can be everything God has called us to be so that our families can be everything that God has called us to be. Can I hear an amen? Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe there's someone here today you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ and you've. That's where, the, it's where it begins. It's like a door. 
Um, when you open your heart to Christ, it's like this door opens and suddenly you walk into a realm you never knew existed. It's the spiritual realm. It's this whole world that opens up to you. If we had the time, so many of us could come up here and talk about their own experience, about how, you know, one day they didn't know God, but then they opened their heart to Christ and their life was radically changed. That can happen to you by just praying a simple prayer. Lord, I need you. It's not about the words. It's about the condition of your heart. Why don't you do that today? Just as we're in this beautiful atmosphere of just prayer and just open up your heart to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to know you. If you're real, I want to know you. I want to open up my heart to you, Lord God. Invite you into my life. Invite you into my family. By your grace and for your glory, Lord God. And the rest of us, I want, I want you to just begin to pray and believe. That God is going to build a hedge. What, what, what is the condition of the hedge around your life? I'm going to pray, Father, would you, would, would, you, would you help me to build a hedge? Build a hedge around my life, around our family. We pray that every single day. Lord, build a hedge of protection around our home. Build a hedge of protection around my mind, my heart, my spirit, our home. Build a hedge of protection around this church. So that we can be everything that you have called us to be. So that we can experience life and life in abundance. So we can do that which you've called us to do by your grace and for your glory. Lord, I just thank you for this congregation. What an amazing group of people of God. Just an amazing group of people that this morning said, I'm going to go to church. Just going to gather together with God's people to worship together, hear the word. Father, I just love your word. I love the way your word speaks to us. I love this word that was written thousands of years ago, still has the capacity to speak into our lives today. And I, I just pray in the name of Jesus that as we look at our lives, that Father God, that, that you would build a hedge of protection around us in Jesus' name. Protect us from every attack of the enemy in Jesus' name so that we can be everything you've called us to be. We love you so much, Lord God. Be glorified in and through our lives, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.